Notre Dame defeats USC 30-27 to to move from 5-5-1 to and, and number 8 in the country. This is Irish Illustrated Insider. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley and Pete Sampson. Notre Dame rushes for 308 yards, uh, which isn't anything that we expected. Certainly not 176 from, from Tony Jones, but he played great. Notre Dame's offensive line destroyed that interior of USC's defensive line. Notre Dame had to hold on to get the 30-27 win, but that's the third win in a row for Brian Kelly over USC, which hasn't been done since the Bob Davey era. And now Notre Dame goes into the bye week with Michigan coming up, and that kickoff time has been set for 7.30 p.m. in Ann Arbor. Guys, just your thoughts on uh, Notre Dame's win over USC. Uh, I, th- I, was, I was struck by the reaction to it because it was really all over the map. Um, my... My personal feelings were that both Notre Dame's coordinators had really good games, um, but people who read or listen to podcasts maybe don't agree about that. Um, so that that you I don't thought, need maybe in that people. Yeah, that, I just yeah. thought I thought that was a little bit strange. Um, I thought much like last year, it's the kind of performance that will absolutely get Clay Helton fired because USC is really talented and they don't play that way. Um, but you you look at their individual pieces, and it doesn't make sense. We said that before the game, and I think that you you come out feeling the same way. Yeah. That the individual pieces are, are good. It would have been just... better for Clay Helton if they got blown out. Because they'd be like, wow, we're just not close to Notre Dame. <laughs> like, clearly they have enough material to beat Notre Dame, but instead they're losing to BYU. So, they're, they're weird. I, I, this is, I will predict this right now. Uh, Keaton Slovis will not go... Um, winless against Notre Dame in his USC career. I really liked him. He does a lot of good things. Tim? You know, I can understand why there was a distaste for some fans when you give up, when the whole second half is touchdowns for USC. Because um, it's that old feeling of can't finish the game, blah, blah, blah. But that's not a Clark Lee team. I, I could see, I, I mean, I agree with fans that after the three down worked so well in the first half and then it seemed like Slovis got comfortable. And all of a sudden he was comfortable and they could run, then maybe you'd go back to the four-down look where you can unleash some guys in the nickel. You can't leave the nickel. I mean, you can't leave the nickel. You're going to give up a deep touchdown if you, right. if you leave the nickel. So the four-down nickel they started with, I, I could see. In fact, I was thinking they're going to make a, They're going to switch. They're going to they're going to tweak. You have to respond to USC's response. So I get that point. Um, but they're also thinking, I mean, keep it in front of us. We're not going to lose because we're up by 17 points. But but I, I still I do get that point of view. But... Aside from nitpicking calls, which everybody has a right to do, because when you see the call and you don't like it, and like Clemson, uh, North Carolina's two-point conversion call, again, I think people can visualize this right now against Clemson, rolling right. As soon as he rolls right, I'm like, you have to be kidding me. This isn't going to work. He's not getting in there. You know, so I, I we get, watched that play against right. Clemson. I, I, I know that that every fan has the right to look at and, and know, like, come on, guys, what are you thinking? You got to have something better than that. But the game plan and how it's executed the whole way through, the patience you need, and Notre Dame beat USC. Everyone listening, with 6.4 yards of carry, 2 for 2 red zone touchdowns, 9 of 18 on 3rd and 4th down, no turnovers, no punts after the first quarter, scoring drive, or consecutive drives of 9, 9, 10, and 14 plays. All but one of them got points. They went 4th on 4th down and didn't get it. Where you should go 4th on 4th down. I mean, you could punt there, but it'd be a little conservative to punt at the 38-yard line these days, right? I said to Tim, to be fair to fans, why not just punt? I, you know, told, I totally yeah. But I get it. But yes. I get it. This is the way you want Notre Dame to beat someone, isn't it? Isn't this what everybody's been asking for? 
Yeah, I mean, you need to follow through in the second half. You can't give up 24 points no, in the second half. I, no, I get, I've but, switched to Chip Long on this one. Yeah, okay. That's, that's uh, how you want to beat him. You know, I think, first of all, when, when it's a rivalry game, you you really you, you can't measure it the same way as another game, especially a real rivalry game. This is like, right, this and is so Notre Dame beat USC for the third straight year. Brian Kelly is seven three against USC. Um, you know, if you don't take into consideration the opponent, then I guess you're going to be pissed off all the time. Yes, I am the first guy to in Brian <laughs> Kelly's past when he says, "Oh, be a great Wake Forest team on the road." All right, man. You know, chill out. <laughs> chill out. You ran the clock out against Wake Forest. Wonderful. But the way they handle USC. And USC did have a bite. I thought he used the perfect word. They, they came to play. That you should be happy about as a Notre Dame fan. <laughs> Coaches will always be proud of win, more so than fans. I get it. But you should be proud of this win. It's unfortunate they scored that last touchdown to make it yeah, but somewhat US, tenuous. You know, it's... The whole talk was about the receivers, and you basically diffuse them. You certainly diffused Pittman and Vaughn. Vaughn scored, but you diffused him. St. Brown, you know, one of the at least one of those guys is going to step up, and St. Yes. Brown's a... A tough little son of a gun. But, you know, my point is, if you don't look at the opponent, if you don't consider the opponent, I don't know that, and I didn't I didn't pick these questions. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know that an opponent is even mentioned in any of the questions that we, a single individual was mentioned. Um, you know, you're playing the air raid, air raid attack. It's difficult to adjust to. You're not accustomed to doing it. Brian, I thought Brian Kelly's description after the game, we knew we were going to have to make adjustments. Yeah. As the game went on, Graham Harrell is going to have an advantage going into the second half, uh, just because you're not familiar with playing against it. And keep- they're a corner short. To, we got to keep throwing it out. They were a corner short. So if my my idea of all right, we'll take a guy out of coverage, rush four. You're taking a guy out of coverage. You don't have Sean Crawford out there either. You're you're leaving a linebacker right. in coverage. Right. I understand that if you you when you if you don't use some three man fronts, Drew White's not going to play in the game. Do you really want to? Do you really want Drew White not to play in the entire game? You're trying to mix it up. Washington had used a three-man front all, almost exclusively in the game and and held them to 14 points. Remember Brian Kelly mentioned about uh, USC rushing for over 200 yards against Washington. Yeah. Well, that's why. Um, I mean, I just when you expect perfection in every aspect of the game because you're only cheering for one team and you're not taking into account the other team. You're going to be disappointed. I'm not saying it's okay to give up 24 points in the second no, half. No, of course not. That's not. It's but, not. We're not saying it's a perfect performance. But it's a, it's it's a situation where you're a little bit ripe for that because of the style of offense that you're playing. Because you have a lead. I I mean I just don't I don't know what to say other than Notre Dame won and that's the only thing that matters and they're five and one moving on to another rival, ranked number eight with a chance to do something. Special again. I enjoyed this question that I got when I sent out, a, like, hey, if you want stuff, a question in my mailbag. Somebody replied to me on Twitter, Pete, why isn't our offense like the 2018 Kansas City Chiefs? And why isn't our defense like the 2013 Seahawks? And why isn't our special teams like old Beamer Ball? God bless you. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. That's pretty good. Um, yeah, I mean, I, it's not you know, the, the whole, like, nameless, faceless opponent. That's not true. No. It's not, it's not true. It's not true for it's not media. True. It's, it's not true for fans. Game. It's not true for players. Nobody, nobody says that about USC or Michigan. It's not true for Brian Kelly's contract extensions. No, okay. no. Right. See, I wasn't going. I wasn't going to go. I was trying to talk myself into not going down this road at all. And then you guys came in here with, with the same impression that the the dissatisfaction with the win. 
I think is a little bit out there. Yeah, you know, okay, you can be dissatisfied with the defense, obviously, with the defense in the second half. Because, but if you're talking adjustments, you got to give credit too. Are you ready? Offense, Notre Dame, punt, 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 first quarter. Rest of the game, TD, TD, field goal, field goal. Fourth down, turnover on downs after 10 plays. Field goal, TD, and the game. Kneeling down. That's adjustments too, right? Would it, it would not be adjustments if he went punt, 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 punt that people would rip on in the second half? Right, and a lot of times adjustment is confused with a player not making a play. At the end of the day, it still comes down many times to a player making a play. Yeah, if Pride makes a pick, there's not one touchdown on these <laughs> plays. Now, it's not a great matchup to have any of those guys out there one-on-one versus any of those receivers. <clears throat> Just the truth. I mean, they're, they make... Those guys make plays. Yeah, I think that was sort of lost in sort of the angstiness over the the defensive performance. Is like it was a really bad matchup for Notre Dame from the beginning of the game. So, you know, you if you want to say that uh, Graham Harrell out adjusted Clark Lee in the second half, I think you'd probably be right. I think so. Um, But I would also say that I did not see that coming at all in terms of essentially an entirely new defense installed. What in a week? Um, That's that's pretty inspired. It is itself, and they you went just up, don't see coaches do that. They went up twenty to three because this is what they force USC into: punt, punt, field goal, punt, punt, punt. Yeah, and it was a, twenty to three. Their first USC's first thirty-seven plays accounted for one hundred forty-five yards, less than four yards per play. Their last thirty-four accounted for two hundred eighty at eight point two yards per play. And I think the prevent of the last drive always upsets. Of course, yeah, I get hey, that too. Keen, yeah, I totally Keen, get that. Keen Slovis is a, he is a good quarterback. It'll be interesting to see what they do when JT Daniels comes back. I mean, I assume that Daniels takes his position back. He's the more just have a new, well, decorated and more talented, physically talented player. New but, coach, new quarterback coach, new everything possibly. Yeah. And I don't, then it just becomes, yeah. you have to Slovis, I don't know which yeah. one Urban Meyer will Sl- prefer. <laughs> Slovis came in as the number two pass efficiency guy or maybe pass completion guy, and Nordheim held him way under that. Now he finished, I think it was 14 for 18 in the second half. He finished really strong. But they kept him down in the first half, and Tim, the first half counts too. <laughs> that's my that's, that's absolutely and, true. <laughs> it all and, counts. And if Michael Young doesn't just inexplicably let a what yes. what looked to me like a brand new football under his arm slip out of his hand, it's twenty four to three. And they might be warming up the bus. Right, it is twenty four to three. Now, now, how does USC react to that? Well, I mentioned this. If it was twenty four to three, and that crowd is lit up, and then the defense comes out to start a series against USC. That could really be a different situation because you've got to stop there. It is over. And I don't know what in the world he did to lose that ball because he was not switching it in the hands. He was on the right side. He had it in his right he hand. He hit it. His left hand he hit, hit the ball. He moved his left hand over to the ball? He, I mean, he was running, you know, yeah, the natural can, arm yeah, movement, and it's like his left hand slipped in and actually made contact with the football. I did, as soon as I saw the the replay, I did, I, it's often what I think of when I see an NFL game like, did they just take that football out of the box? Because, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I'm, again, I'm not making an excuse for Michael Young here, but that was my first reaction when I saw that. And it was windy and blustery and dry. It was, it was I know. I, like, I, it, it just, windy, I, blustery, and dry. I, I'm trying to come up with a reason as to why it happened. It's inexplicable. Not, not, yeah. He gets so excited <laughs> running, he lost it. Yeah. It was incredible fumble recovery. Yeah, I mean, that play, you, I think USC certainly would like if that roughing the passer on Ian Book doesn't get called, which I thought was that was a bad call. Just not good at all. Um, you know, that that was a drive that turned into a field goal that turned into a yeah. 
in a game that was won by three points. I am so used to bad roughing the passer calls watching football. Yeah. It's sad because now I'm like, that was a weak call. And we only do these yeah. terrible calls I, all the time I, now. It, if I could emphasize it, I'm not making an excuse for Michael Young. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm trying to come up with a reason right, as to why it happened. Yeah. And, you know, Mike Tirico <laughs> didn't mention it. Mike Tirico barely ever misses anything. But the, the only guy ahead of him was the kicker. Yo, he was and gone. he's blo- I mean, he's blowing yeah. him away. We had a great view of that for the press. We're like, oh, he's yeah. gone. Uh, what happened? Why is he laying on the ground right yeah. now? <laughs> it was incredible. We had a better view than anybody at home because they used the blimp cam for that one. Did you notice that? I thought replay? that was no. I thought that was a good angle for that play, though. Except until he dropped the ball, you didn't know what happened. You're like, yeah. why is he laying oh, on the ground? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was confusing. Well, then yeah. it, gives you, showed, it gives you how it opens. Then up, they yeah. showed you a different yeah. angle. By the way, I, I mean, I have to. I wrote it again. I think NBC has adjusted beautifully with the camera. I, I think that. I think we're getting. I think we're getting a lot of great shots that we're not even recognizing anymore that it's innovative and a little bit different. I think, is it Rob Highland that's done a it really, really, Highland, yeah. really done a, a, a great job with that? Um, well, let's just go to segment two because we've got a whole bunch of questions probably to shoot down when we come back <laughs> in segment two. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider is burning up the boards. Our first question is from Wash ND. I know Tony Jones Jr. had a great game, but wasn't Jonathan Doerr the MVP Saturday night? Those were huge makes of 40-plus and 50-plus yards and some cold and wind. He was the Irish Illustrated MVP. He got the game ball. He was Brian Kelly's MVP. So, yes, it was the MVP. Uh, Tony Jones had a great day in the offensive line. Yeah, I'd argue for the offensive line, too. You can have more than one MVP, can't you? Yeah. They were really they good. gave game balls to Khalid Kareem and Julian Acquire after. Oh, I actually wasn't aware of that. Virginia. Oh, 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 yeah, oh, oh, oh I got gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I was an offensive line, I'd be thinking we just rushed for three hundred and eight yards and we don't get a game ball. No, they don't care. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, Jonathan Dore has been outstanding. I just, I, I know, I repeat myself about a million things, but his process is just so uncomplicated, and and when you see him. I don't know if it was a 52-yarder. Actually, I think it was the last field goal where he just so calmly drove through the football. And he's six foot three, two hundred five. He's a he's a big kid. He's a very it's a very aesthetic looking drive of the football when he just sticks to the process. You know, the one field goal that he missed, he tried to overkick, and it's just totally unnecessary. The 48-yarder, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, he it, it's totally unnecessary, and I think he realizes that now, especially in windy conditions. The 52-yarder was against the wind. Now, whether it was actually Windy, or not. windy, you know, real windy at that point. I, I don't really know. I probably should have checked, but um, his process is so good now. He's really dialed in. Yeah, it's slow. I mean, I, I think some players have actually joked about Tony it. Jones did. Yeah, yeah. Tony Jones. Is, Tony Jones is joking about somebody being slow. <laughs> but I, I think I had. Yeah, it's like a Hideo Nomo windup kind of thing. But I, I mean, for the for Jonathan Dore to get right mentally is. Just so impressive uh, to me because that, I mean, that was what the issue was. You know, did he have some physical things to work out? Yes. But like mentally, he had nothing in the tank last year. And to like fill that back up is, wow, that's, that's really impressive to me. Consider he was benched twice as a kickoff specialist coming into this year. That's really hard to do. 
the pressure on your kickoff in modern football. <laughs> Drill the ball. He he couldn't. He kept messing up to the point where Brian Kelly mentions those were amazing conversations. We used to watch Brian Kelly talking to Jonathan Door, one sided, reading his lips. There were some amazing yeah. things said. That, but no, it's all credit to him because he started August slow. That's really impressive too. So in other words, he probably corrected everything he needed to in the spring and summer, but then still started slowly. Well, I don't know if he corrected technique mentally, so to speak, but you are not seeing. There's no there's no curve or hook on his ball now. Where it starts out is where it's going to go. At least it was this Tag past Saturday night. In the spring, remember? Yeah. yeah. To be to as a kicker to be able to to you know where it starts out keep it on that path is really impressive and he's he's doing that. His body language like you would not know that he had made three field goals against no. USC, which like for somebody who really hasn't been in that kind of moment before, you would you would say like yeah celebrate that go nuts jump into a, an offensive lineman tackle your hold or whatever. And he's just like, nope, this is so the whole, what I'm the, whole the whole package is good. Go, Tim, what? All summer long, the irony right here. Rodrigo Blankenship misses the winning kick, no. the tying kick, and Jonathan Dorr gets the game ball against USC on the same day. Uh, it's Something. it's really incredible. I, uh, Tim, I know you didn't talk to him after the spring game because I did the interview with him. I don't, Pete. I don't know if you did. Uh, I don't think that I did. I was. I, I remember coming away from that thinking, you know, that's pretty impressive because you expected a guy that is a little bit kind of shattered, you know, right. uh, emotionally. Um, but we spent a lot of time here on this first question. But I, I was very impressed with just the confidence that he carried himself in, in that interview. Did Which one of you guys talked to him post-game after he got the game ball against USC? Did that would be uh, none of us because Notre Dame got an interview with him, but the media did not. Shane 0607, over under on Tony Jones Jr. getting 1,000 yards. He needs to average 63 yards per game the rest of the year, so I'd say that the odds of that are decent. I think he'll get it. Um, do you think he'll get it without the bowl game? So 440 yards, basically, in the next six games. Well, and you got, I mean, Jafar Armstrong is eventually yeah. going to take some, some carries away from him. I'll give him the bowl game because they're not going to be playing Clemson. You're right. That, like Dexter Williams last year going to Clemson only needed 50 or yeah, something. Sorry. Like, yeah, <laughs> you needed to get him against USC. Uh, yeah, I think he'll get there. And um, the ir- the crazy thing here is that Chase Claypool is 600 yards away from it. And none of us would have said that Tony Jones yeah. will have 1,000 yards and Chase Claypool will not. <laughs> think about that. That is pretty absurd. That's very unexpected. Kicker 3399. Clark Lee always seems to come through with great halftime adjustments and Notre Dame's defense. Dominate second halves. Was Saturday night success by USC's offense in the second half more to do with a lack of adjustments on Notre Dame's part or better adjustments by USC's offense? I think it was USC figuring out how to take advantage of a matchup that was really, really one-sided. And uh, Notre Dame did a very good job of holding off until the second half before USC could figure out what to do with it. Because um, that's there's a lot... There are a lot of scenarios where USC's second half it also looks like its first half and they put 40 on Notre Dame. Um, so I, for Notre Dame to be able to, I think it was Doug Flutie said it during the game, it's something I had never thought of about put your best corner on their second best receiver and then double their best one. That's Yeah, that's so, a, um, the teams that had Deion Sanders for a while. Used to yeah, so they, you put pride on uh, Vaughn's, and then you put Vaughn, Dante Vaughn, and Kyle Hamilton over the top of Pittman. That's interesting. Um, that was sort of how they played it. Can you? I mean, you're. Yeah, we all. Yeah, that's real. That's interesting because who in their right mind is going to try to throw over the top with Kyle Hamilton looking right, back there? Right. I, mean, I was surprised they didn't try it. 
That's a but that, yeah, you do have to take a shot. I agree with you on that. Um, no, that's a move that uh, every time I used to see it, I have to be the 49ers used to try it against the Cowboys, and it finally when they had Dion, it finally worked. You just put him on Alvin Harper, and the rest of the world covered Michael Irvin. It's a uh, it's a it's a risk though because you can get that guy all going off. You know mm-hmm. um, that they had a great game plan going in. I'm on record <laughs> as saying I think a tweak would have helped. I don't know what the tweak is. I'm not smarter than Clark Lee to coordinate well, defenses, but, the, but I think you could have adjusted to something. The, the problem is though that you're using an off or a defense that you're not that you don't practice other right. than this right. week, generally speaking, um, against a, a guy that knows exactly what he wants to do with his air raid and, and, and adjust. So, yeah, USC's offense should have adjusted to Notre Dame's defense in the second half, and they did. They th- they start throwing to. You know, instead of trying to force something to Pittman, how many grab their tight end caught more passes? Number eighty-four, one of their tight ends caught more passes against Notre Dame than he had in the previous five games. So that was that was part of the adjustment. Vic Irish won with the success of the offensive line since Georgia. What is your impression of them now? Of Jeff Quinn's coaching and the likelihood that all five return? I, well, I mean, they're all yes. Yeah. A, they're all. I would be. Sh- I would be shocked if any of them leave. I, I've never understood the narrative about Eichenberg leaving or where. where where's Eichenberg? Where's Eichenberg? Where is he going? Well, I, that just doesn't make any sense. So we expect all five, right? You two yeah, be right. No all five question. will be back. Uh, well, I mean, of course, we feel good about Notre Dame's offensive line after what they just what they just did, but. Notre Dame's interior offensive line was outstanding. I, I, I was for Notre Dame's sake. I was fearful of those two defensive tackles, and that was founded within the first couple drives. But after that, Tommy Kramer played one of the best games I've seen him play. Jarrett Patterson absolutely played the best game that he's played in his six starts against quality competition. Aaron Banks was very good. Those three guys destroyed the interior of USC's defensive line. I want to take Louisville out of this because, remember, they started great, kind of struggled, but a lot of it was on Ian Book, as we come as we found out from Brian Kelly, Ian Book, and film right. review. This line that showed up against New Mexico, I can't believe it's the same line that took over the second half of the Virginia <laughs> game and this USC game. That's remarkable. I agree. They're, and the challenge coming up next is going to be yeah, very, yeah, very the, difficult the as well. the second biggest challenge of the year. Um, they, they weren't trusted in the first one. Against Georgia, they did a good job in pass rate. If they if they protect Book like that against Michigan, it'll it'll be a good day for Notre Dame. Hopefully, Book now Book won't throw forty seven times against Michigan. You wouldn't think either because they're going to trust the offensive line a little more. But right. hey, we were we were saying all last year at this time, the two thousand nineteen line will be better than the two thousand eighteen line. It is officially come to the point where you can say that they have improved that much, and they're going to be even better next year. Yeah, that was, uh, Saturday night was it was the bridge to the He Stand era that they've been looking for since He Stand left. Denver Maximus, long question here. There was obviously an uptick in the run game with the success over the past few games. As great as it is to see Tony Jones running and gashing defenses, it seems Notre Dame has abandoned a healthy rotation they mentioned in the offseason. Fresh legs can do some damage. Waiting for Jafar Armstrong can be dangerous, especially considering his previous health issues. Do you feel the staff will ride Jones as much as possible versus more of a rotation? On a side note, was it wrong to be so one-dimensional against Georgia based upon the run game success? I think Smith will get more carries going forward, but um, they trusted Jones and they weren't going to play Flemister in that game. Yeah, it came down to. Uh, I mean, on Smith, I guess I've sort of been a holdout on him. I, you guys have been higher on him. I have. I thought it was really impressive. Like, I yeah. saw some stuff where I'm like, oh, okay. Like, you're, there's some some burst and some like you're getting through second, third, fourth gear um, that I'm not sure that I thought he had. I, you know, is it? 
I don't think the offensive line was playing that well at Georgia before the Georgia game. No, to, no, I, to, no. I, you I just don't, mentioned New Mexico. I, oh, yeah. they, they were not good. I think that I really think that's a great question, but they weren't there then. It's like if they played Georgia next week, they would, would the game plan different. For even sure. if even if there was no jar of far Armstrong, yes, of course it would. I, I think they did the right thing there. I know that they had one back. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah exactly. They like, had one. Jameer Smith, Smith. Like you, for, people forget. Like in the list of all the injuries they've had, people forget Jameer Smith was one of them. And last week was really the first time that he had full explosive ability because of that toe. I will say, in terms of abandoning the game, I think they just trusted Tony Jones. Flemister wasn't going to get in, and against Michigan, if Armstrong is healthy, you'll see. Plenty of Jones, a good amount of Smith, and plenty of Armstrong, we, and that's all you need. You don't go four deep on Michigan. We all agreed that if USC won the turnover battle, that was how they were going to win. And Ian Book doesn't throw any interceptions, and you don't risk the game against USC with Siebel Flemister. No, and that's just he's he's not battle tested. Right, he wouldn't be. He didn't play against Georgia. He wouldn't even be close to see. Yeah, at, level at, at no point angst. are you like, yeah. well, we really need to rotate Tony Jones out of there. He's running for too many yards. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Greg, 21-26. Can Notre Dame play that defensive scheme if Kyle Hamilton isn't on their team? No. I don't know who would have played that role. Who would have played that role? Harrison Smith. <laughs> David <laughs> Bruton. Yeah, David Bruton and Harrison Smith. There we go. I mean, I don't know. That's it. Uh, I mean, who has who has the length and Bobby I mean, Taylor? Di- di- <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing here? We can't. It's been a while. Since. No, you don't. But I mean, I you know I, they recruited him. They earned him. He, yeah, they he did. deserved not, to be on. He's the not field. an accident out there. No. And Benny Boy, in the early bye week this year, we heard reports that practices were very physical. This this far into the season, will they take the same physical approach this week during the bye week? No, it's this is a time to. Rejuvenate and uh, study for midterms. They got a good little break here, I would think. Yeah, well, they oh, scrimmaged. They, they scrimmaged break, on Saturday. I wouldn't. They're not going to scrimmage to the no. extent that they did. They had only played one game. Um, I think at at some point there's got to be some degree of physicality between now and Michigan. But oh, I, yeah, I don't. Tuesday, it won't, Tuesday gets physical, right? Uh, but it won't. A week right, from Tuesday. A week, sorry, right, a week, a week from Tuesday. Tuesday yeah. But it won't be. It won't be what they did. He has his bye no. week. This is regular bye week. He's had this plan down for a, for a while now. Yeah, that was sort of a training camp extension. Yeah. It was like preseason plus getting ready for Georgia. And I also think, like, let's be honest, there's probably some punitive stuff because they didn't play very well against <laughs> Louisville. I don't think anyone feels that way after the USC game. Uh, M. Solner, I've heard USC chose to play less uh, aggressive cover two to prevent big plays, but should that have completely shut down the passing game with Book? Komet and Claypool are big enough that they are still open when they aren't open. It just looked bad to me. I was surprised, but, I mean, we. I don't know why I'm still surprised that they don't try more deep shots. I mean, at, this, at some point, the season was like, hey, idiot, like, if something has not happened six straight times, don't be surprised when it doesn't happen right. on the seventh time. They only had two passes beyond 20 yards all game. One was on the very first snap, I think, threw it up to Claypool. Yeah. And the other one was a deep shot to Claypool that Chris Steele broke up. That was... That was it. There was barely anything even on the fringes of 20 yards the rest of the game. So that was a surprise to me. Yeah, I think if you're going to, they just chose the straight line path. I mean, Ian Book beating cover two with USC's athletes probably wasn't the way to go. You can run on it, run on it. Why do you not want to run when it's working? People always want their aim to run, and now they're running and they don't want it. They want Ian Book to take shots. What, what's happened? Uh, you know, the deep ball to. I thought the deep ball to Claypool was a pretty well-thrown ball. Chris Steele made a great play. I didn't do this podcast with you guys in 2013, 
But were there a lot of questions saying, why do we run the ball so effectively? We should pass more. I don't think there were, and everybody was losing. <laughs> well, had there been a podca- podcast during the Lou Holtz era, I can guarantee you there have been a lot of complaining oh, about. I was mad about the, not passing to the Derek use Brown. Of, the use of the tight ends, <laughs> yes. right? And just not, you know, of course the game was completely different. You could Irv line Smith up. and Derek Brown just throwing the ball every play, right? Yeah. No, it doesn't matter that they also were the best blockers. But I think, it, look, Notre Dame is just not a deep shot team for multiple reasons. One of them is the quarterback doesn't get it there all that well. Um I also don't think they have a ton of receivers to go get it. They've got a couple. Um, they have more than what they've done. Um, but I guess I, I'm more curious, like, their short passing game, I think the efficiency of that has dropped off considerably from where it was last and year. And the screen game is just pathetic. Yeah, don't just why, why stop is it. It's been bad for two years. Well, no, that's um, not true. It's terrible this year. Yeah, it's just it's like, terrible. I mean, I went through sort of like, so I chart like behind the line of scrimmage throws, 0 to 5 yards, 6 to 20 and, like, if, if you throw out the New Mexico game, which completely inflated all statistics because of the two, like, shovel passes, they're averaging 3.9 yards per attempt on throws behind the line of scrimmage. Last year, they averaged 6.8. Yeah, and 6.0 on the next one, too. I remember your stats from last yeah. year, right? And he was, like, 95%. Yeah, he, so on yeah, <laughs> throws between behind the line of scrimmage and 0-5, to five, they averaged 6.8 yards per attempt last year. This year, you, if you strike New Mexico, for the reasons I talked about, 3.9 on throws behind line of scrimmage, and then 0 to 5 is at 5.7. So why is that? I think teams have sort of like figured out what Ian Book does and doesn't do well. There's certainly a lot more tape on Chip Long. Um, I mean, the, the reason teams sniff out the screen game isn't, you know, that's on Notre Dame. Like, they're giving that away. They ha- Everyone has some tendencies. They must be. They must yeah. be. Uh, I'm not saying they're yelling screen before the throws, but, like, teams know what Notre Dame likes to yeah. do. So I think that's that's not, part of it. Not having Armstrong. I mean, that's that's part of it, too. He had more receptions last year than Tony Jones. The, yeah. The screen game seems to be getting worse in its machinations because we were lamenting, oh, that screen was going to hit. How come Aaron Banks didn't block? George's a linebacker. Oh, that screen was going to hit against New Mexico. You got to catch that pass every day. Right. The, offensive, the, the, the offensive line should be better in the screen game yes. this year. Yeah, it should be. And I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know. know that's like if you're a linebacker, you know a screen's coming, you've blown it up right there. Because the offensive lineman cannot, like, I think Jafar Armstrong was the one that got, like, essentially hawked down before the play started. Like, there's nothing the offensive line, you can't just, you can't block that guy. Yeah. Your, your marks are out beyond the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. That's the point of a screen. So you have to do a better job of selling it. Um, you know, maybe maybe that's where you know some of their misdirection plays work. But um, yeah, the screen game is kind of ugly. CMU Penn's fan. While it was clear he was getting safety help over the top all night, I was still impressed mightily with Dante Vaughn's performance. What were your thoughts on his play? I, I maybe I was remiss. I didn't I didn't really bring him up in the tail of the tape. I, I mean, I don't know that I was impressed immensely. I think it gets back to what we were talking about. He had safety help over the top, so. I mean, it's not like he's he's out there on an island per se. Watching uh, him live, which we did, because when he came in, we everybody we made the requisite alert alert yeah. joke when the quarterback sees it. Uh, he made the nice play that didn't count because it got called back right, to the goal line. Right. Um, the first couple times he came in, and there was plenty of room between Dante Vaughn and the end zone, one on one on the outside. And I just thought, oh man, there is no way they're not going to this. And they didn't go to it. I'm not sure if it was a bad read. You and or... I saw those same things. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I guess I didn't necessarily come away thinking anything one way or another here. I did watch Vaughn on that play, even though it didn't go to him, because I was just assuming it was going to be a 
touchdown. Uh, he was all over Tyler Vaughn's on the play. He did a great. I mean, he was on him on yeah. that play. Now, I don't know if I would can remember other plays involving Vaughn. I do remember thinking I need Wise and Bracey in, but it was clearly one of his size on the other side. I mean, side. maybe he's, he's making progress. He's due. <laughs> yes, he is. I wrote about that today. And the question to Brian Kelly. Um, like oh, Kelly about the very fifth, honestly, yeah, yeah. He's played four games. Now, here's the issue with Dante Vaughn playing four games. This was not a plan. It became a plan because you don't put him in against New Mexico if you're playing for four games. It became a plan when he went in against New Mexico and struggled and went in against Virginia and struggled. And then they thought, why don't we redshirt him because this is not working out. Well, now all of a sudden he's playing better than they needed him. So there, now. now there's a problem because there's three prongs. This is a fork. <laughs> there's a fork on the road here. It is play Dante Vaughn because it's better for the program and maybe it's better for the kid himself, the student athlete himself. He has a good year. He's done with college football. He's on an 11-1 bowl-winning team. Don't play Dante Vaughn. He can come back and try to start next year at Notre Dame. Don't play Dante Vaughn, and you don't get anything out of it because he leaves and plays somewhere else. And that's the problem that Brian Kelly is not saying out loud because it's not fair to say that out loud. He's right. definitely implying it in his he's answers. He um, and you know how I feel about saving guys for the 2020 depth chart totally when, they're, when they're seniors who are contributing. I'm not, we're not talking about freshman year Romeo Aquara here. And then throw over the cherry on top of that, senior that's contributing that might just leave if you save him. Uh, yeah, and the reason you would save him is because a guy who is always hurt is hurt. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. it's I don't think Notre Dame's in a position to, unless Dante Vaughn is like, I'm not playing and he like puts his foot down. Then you then you can't play him. Then it is his decision. Yes, but I think now he's in the mix against USC. That's not what's that's he gonna do? Point. Go to Memphis like, and maybe start or maybe lose. What's maybe the point start? of playing football at Notre Dame? Playing football at Notre Dame. Yeah, this is his best chance. He's playing. Right he was not playing well. Uh, this was not. I'm, I'm telling you, this is not the plan. If he played against New Mexico, because you don't say we're gonna play him four games and one of them is New Mexico and the second half against Virginia. That's yeah. just not part of it. Uh, we have. I've got like 112 questions here, so we're going to have to. <laughs> you think you were doing too much on Dante Vaughn no, and, no, no. and Jonathan Dory? Just thoughts on Cam Hart. We're going to try. <laughs> it's not a press. Conference. We're going to we're going to try to pick up the pace a little bit, Tim. If you'd read that, <laughs> Superman dot. I'll go to the two recruit commits over the weekend. Uh, the two recruit commits over the weekend: wide receiver Deion Colsey, uh, slot receiver slash DB Lorenzo Styles. I, re- I I like Lorenzo Styles a lot. I I think he Colsey is rated higher than Styles by twenty four seven Sports, and I think it's the reverse of that. And I think Notre Dame thinks it's the reverse of that. Not to, not that Deion Colsey isn't going to be good, but when I look at Deion Colsey, I look at a guy and say, "Wow, there's a lot of great potential there." Down the road, he's going to be a really good receiver. Now, of course, he's only a junior in high school, so it's going to 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 be a while, but. Um, I just think he's more developmental. I don't see a real ex- – he's very long, mm-hmm. but I don't see a real explosive receiver there. I see a guy that's about a 4-6 right now. now. He can improve that. But Styles is, Styles is a little bit different. I know Notre Dame's excited about him, what he can do in the passing game. But they're both listed as top 100 players. It's two pretty darn good catches for Notre Dame. They've liked Styles forever. I mean, he was the guy that came in and worked with Buckner the summer camp a year ago. It was just like they only had two guys, so Styles had to run like a million routes and catch everything for Buckner. And at that point, Chip Long and Tom Reese were just like, "Yeah, we need both of these guys." And so, like, I when Notre Dame gets its number one picks, 
so to speak, at positions, they usually turn out to be really freaking good players. So I would expect the same thing to be true of Deion Colsey and Lorenzo Styles. Somebody said Colsey was a plug-and-play player. He is not right now. Maybe he will be after his senior year, but to say that guy's a plug-and-play player right now at this stage of his career, I disagree with that. Wheaton fan, with many describing USC as mediocre this year, why, in your opinion, does Notre Dame seemingly play down to their opponent's level? It doesn't seem like they have the killer instinct with knockout punches. Uh, my answer, I wrote down FFS. So, I think people probably know what that stands <laughs> for. But yeah, it's like, I don't know, did you watch the Bowling Green game or no? They've, they've won 16 games in a row as a favorite, 15 in a row at home. They've won three in a row over USC. I just, I don't... I don't think you can count USC because it's a rivalry game. Well, first of all, again, if 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 Michael Young holds on to the football, it's twenty four to three at the beginning of the third quarter. How are they playing down to their opponent? The air raid off run the air raid offense run by a guy that runs an air raid adjusted as he should because he's familiar with that. I don't think that Notre Dame. I don't think that that's true. They're look. They're twenty six and four over the last thirty games. It's the best thirty game record. Since the Holtz era, a streak that started in '91 and ended with the Florida State win. So, if you want to complain that Notre Dame's playing down to their level, but they're also winning at a clip not seen in 30 years, more power to you. I think that Tim's point about USC also is involved in this. Like, if they play like that against Virginia Tech and BC, I'd be like, yeah, it's not really what I want to see going into that Stanford game or something along right. those lines. You neither know what one, I mean? Yeah, neither one yeah. of those teams should be able to adjust at halftime and score 24 points. No, they won't. I, 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 and, you know, I mean, I think Michigan's going to be a really good game, but I, this is not a harbinger for me. I, if you see that game against Virginia Tech and BC, I'll think to myself, oh, man, this is just something. At some point, is, something's going to go wrong here. They're they're trending. The I mean, they're, they're tr- they despite what USC did in the second half, they are trending up. To Wheaton's point, though? I would also just throw in there, they are not a machine like Ohio State is and, and teams like in Alabama that can just keep and, coming at you and bury And none of, us, none of us thought that they three would of us be. Do not none think of that us thought all. that they would be better than they were last year. Right. And they're, and they're, they're, they're right there. They're not, I mean, they're not better than they were yeah. last year, but they're right there and they're in the top eight. At Dan, at Dan underscore Brian 21, we all wanted Ian Book to take that next step and become a top 10 ish quarterback in college. He's not that, but should we be happy with 60% completion, no turnovers? One to two passing touchdowns against most Power 5 teams. This was the weekend where I have I can admit that I was wrong and, like, he's not going to touch, like, the great... I thought this was going to be the best quarterback season of the Brian Kelly era. It's not going to be that way. Um, that doesn't mean it's bad. It just doesn't mean it's great. Um, but was he... I don't know, what's his record as a starter? Is he 14 and two? 2. He's beaten everybody, but... Clemson and but Georgia. Clemson and George. First quarterback, first interim quarterback with back to back wins over USC since Rick Meyer. Um, oh, wow. Well, I mean, it's like. There's a lot of caveat involved in that. Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> 2005, 2006, USC's a little different oh, than the ones that yeah, you just yeah. beat. Yes, yeah, but I agree. I'm just I know saying. saying yes. it's, been a, it's been a minute. It has been. Um, so I thought that they used him in a little bit different way with the, you know, whether that's Chip Long saving the design quarterback runs for USC. Um, whether I don't know if it's a matchup thing or just a changeup or or what, I, he's a good college quarterback, and I think that everyone it's it's probably about time to sort of live with that. Yeah, and I think I mean the criteria that was put there, no turnovers. Yeah, you can expect that now. It's happened in five out of six games through the air, one to two passing touchdowns. Yeah, especially with the running game being picked up, uh, picking up sixty percent completion rate. I think he should be better than that. 
Yeah, I, he should be. That's what I think goes back to Pete's stats from behind the line of scrimmage and within five to six yards of the line yeah. of scrimmage. He can't be better than that. I think the last sentence, it gives us a chance to win every game. Ian Book's a, he's a tough gamer. He's, he's probably more of a competitor than he is a prospect. I, I wrote this today. I, I'll never understand the disrespect for a guy that broke multiple ribs against Northwestern, was willing to go out and play against Florida State the next week, played with that against Syracuse and USC, and all we do is torment Ian Book for what he does for Notre Dame. La- this game, this, that last drive, that, that, was, yeah. that was Ian Book's heart and will getting Notre Dame in the end zone. Jim underscore Booney underscore CRS. It's clear that Braden Lindsay has game-breaking potential. How do you see him being used more often the rest of the season? I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where they're going to go with that. I pointed to yeah. Pete because I wasn't sure. Actually, no, I'm sorry. I don't have an answer. For I don't, you. I don't think the question said more often. I think how is he going to be used more? The, the more often, the rest more of the snaps. I mean, yeah. that was it, the rotation. Like if even if he did not have the 51-yard touchdown, he would have been uh, conspicuous for his usage against USC because suddenly he was rotating for Young. Sometimes um, you know Fink would be out there. I think he had. I've only done the passing plays, but Young was in for 13 passing plays and Lindsey was in for 12 passing plays. And there were no garbage time passing plays, which is pretty much what he had been playing today. Right, right. Well, uh, what did we set the over-under on for him, his complete uh, receptions this year? Did we say eight? Mm-hmm. Six? Eight? Single digits. Yes. Yeah, I think we we're all yeah. like, yeah, they're, he's going to have single digits. They're trying to get I still feel that way. I do too. Yeah, they are. And they should. But don't expect him to like be in the regular rotation. No, because there's three guys. I, Tremble, I think, is now in the regular rotation because of what it gives them the running. Certainly. So it's Jones, Claypool, and Tremble. You have two spots left for Jafar Armstrong, Michael Young, Chris Fink, Braden Lindsay, and Lawrence Keyes even coming back. So I think Keyes is right now behind Lindsay because he's been injured and missed a couple games. Obviously, Lindsay has taken advantage of it. But Keyes has a skill set. I think Keyes can get open and make some plays in that yep. screen game better than Lindsay, maybe. Um they bring different things. Chris Fink had a much better game than he has had. He made plays that neither Keys nor Lindsay was going to make at this stage against USC. Not next year. They'll be all be doing that. Michael Young did not have a good day. I don't even mean the drop. I mean the drop run. He, he's I wrote the there. exact same yeah. thing. He's not, he hasn't been as good since no. the when he came back against Virginia. We had a uh, question on the message board with uh, saying. Um, how come our quote-unquote experts told us how good Michael Young was in the uh, in August? I made sure not to show you that one during the game. There was no, uh, well, the thing is, the experts were also the coaches that deemed Michael Young the most improved player on the team in spring and August. He broke his collarbone. He has not come back like Cole Komet. He needs this week. He's been back three weeks, and he's going to have a week off. Now he should be getting to Michael Young, right? We were told we were idiots about Tony Jones Jr. a couple years it ago. It took today. a while, but I tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> this is my parading You tour. know. You broke up with him. You broke up with Tony Jones. But what I saw way. still existed. But, yeah. Right. What we saw happened. <laughs> I did have an official break. What we yeah. saw was real, yes. and it happened. We can't control him after mm. that. Uh, another Braden Lindsay question. Murphy's underscore law. Why doesn't Braden Lindsay return kicks? <laughs> you might now because he would have scored on that one. Yeah, <laughs> Young made a good move to get there. He broke a tackle <laughs> he at the did. sixteen. He uh, Young did. Kicks now. He might return kicks. Now. Uh, you know, he's slightly built. I, he's had some injury issues. I'm not sure that's how you want to use him. Uh, maybe they've had him on kick returns I and like he fast hasn't. Guys on kick <laughs> no, I know. No, I twenty five. That's even better. No, I, I do too. Maybe he hasn't shown good kick return instincts. You know, I don't know. I don't know. 
Maybe he's maybe they've used him and done it live and he's fumbled. Right. That was my I, that was my number one thing. Maybe live he fumbles against the scout team, and that's what once you fumble twice, it's yeah. over. And it's probably, I'm, I'm certainly this is not. I, I think if you pose this question to Brian Poland, he'd be like, "Huh, never thought about that." Like right. I'm sure that they've considered this, and something that they've seen in practice has led them to not do it. Has led them to choose Lawrence Keys over him, who yeah. is a similar Jafar Armstrong, type. Lawrence Keys, Kyron Williams, and now Michael Young. Yeah. So I am all for the Braden Lindsay kick return attempt against Virginia Tech, though. But I trust their judgment if they're not putting them out. No, there. but I want to try it against Virginia Tech. Or, no, I don't want to, no, I don't I, want to try I, against Michigan. I, I mean, I clearly ball security has to be involved. He's the fastest human being in South Bend. I mean, the guys can fly. At, can really run. At Rick Vaughn ninety nine was Jacob Lacey injured? I did not see him versus USC. Uh, I, I did. Okay. He did play. All right, I haven't watched the defense in granular detail. I'm assuming it was just like a schematic. Yeah, they, they didn't play a nose tackle very much. Well, right. Yeah. They didn't. They they only use the the they. I don't know. Will you ever? Will you come up with how many times they ran a three three five and it's four two five on my to do list? Okay, um, because of the sh- the shortened number of snaps for uh, Heinish, he didn't need a sub. Right. That's I mean, that's that was about to be my answer. <laughs> if Heinish doesn't play as much, Lacey doesn't need to play as much, and it's maybe it's a technique. He's I'm not sure about that. You're saying something wrong here, but a technique in, with a different front that he's not comfortable with yet as a true freshman. You're installing some different. Yeah, I, I don't. You're installing something. I mean, there's different gap control. Maybe you don't trust him to have to do that, or he could be hurt. He could he could have a heel injury like Lawrence Keys did, and he's just fighting his way through. He did play. Though. I did. Yeah. I did. I, I can only vouch for one snap that, I, but I know that he was in there. J.C. Vincent, if Michael Young had finished the kick return, the final score would have been? Well, it would have been 24-3 mm. to 3 at that point. Um, and the place would be going nuts. I mean, that, that, but that, I mean, that wouldn't have changed Graham Harrell's uh, play think, calling, no, per se. But I think it changes the, the atmosphere and Notre Dame's first defensive series, beginning until unless USC, once USC gets two first downs, it changes, of course, on that. But... I think the defense coming out at 24-3 with the crowd going crazy would have helped. Perhaps. But if anything, Notre Dame Notre Dame is playing a little bit more conservatively at that point, right? So you don't so you don't let them hit a deep ball to try to get back in it. I don't know. That's all speculation. We don't know. But I can certainly see the USC players not being as committed to the cause at 24-3 at the start of the half. I, I don't think it would have changed anything other than Notre Dame would have won by seven more points than it did. Like, I don't think USC would have quit. Um, I think they would have had probably the same success throwing the ball that they did in the second half. There just wouldn't have been that sense of tension um, when the game went to 23-20. That was like, if Notre Dame doesn't score a touchdown here, it's either going to overtime or they're going to lose. Like, that that was my vibe down on the field, just like with the stadium. I, yeah. I thought if Notre Dame did not score on that drive, they were going to lose the game. I like it. it's a viable question as opposed to like the Alabama question. What would the score have been if Notre Dame would have recovered that ball? Oh. That kind of stuff. This is this is legit. You yes. Put a team away with that play. That's just puts teams away. Those are the yeah. type of things that put games out of reach. Last question. Piper two Irish. No, not that one. Oh, you're not, we're not doing well, that, that one. Well, that's just frivolous. <laughs> oh, we did enough of them. Okay. Yes, yeah. that's good. Go ahead and ask it. Okay. Now people are wondering. <laughs> yeah, be a quick answer. Piper Two Irish. Will Tim Priester finally invite Jonathan Dora over for barbecue and confess his preseason sins? <laughs> I was, I was, I was right at the time, but I'm wrong now. 
It's like me and Tony Jones. Yeah. <laughs> I was right. right at Pete, the time. Pete, just tell us what you're right about the time. Yeah, at okay. Point. Just we're good. There's, Bramblet was I, the def, was Bramblet's the other one. Yeah. I got to invite both of them over. Yeah, Polian too. Good luck with that. I'd be happy. <laughs> yeah, Polian's <laughs> yeah, coming to my house soon. <laughs> one yeah. decline. Uh, Jam Woe 212. Predictions of Michigan at Penn State. Do you see any way someone not named Shea Patterson starts at quarterback for Michigan against the Irish? I mean, anyway, yeah, I don't. Man, I, I, I don't know that he's Dylan, going to lose his job before well, the Norman well, McCaffrey game. has not been cleared until now. Um, and I don't not, think they wouldn't was, go to. I don't think he was cleared to play at Illinois, but Harbaugh has said today or yesterday that he is cleared now. Oh. so that's that's back on. I personally think uh, Michigan is going to look. Like garbage on Saturday night at Penn State. Mm. I I think that hot garbage or just garbage. There's, uh, there's I mean, it's late like October, so like kind of colder, cold garbage. colder garbage. Well, right, and you've been you've you were there for the, were you there for the whiteout when Notre Dame went there? Oh yeah, uh, the Anthony Morelli starting didn't uh, Darren yeah, Walls? Darren Walls, yeah. yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was, was there all for the that. offense they had. Well, of course, you were. We were yeah, working yeah, together. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was sitting next to you. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, the, I was in the stands. I have not Sorry. been to every Notre Dame at Penn State game, but I was there for that one. Did you know yeah. that I got tickets from uh, my college roommates from that area, and we were sitting in like the Penn State booster section in Notre Dame shirts? Oh my yeah. god, that was not the most pleasant. Ooh, that was a, that was time. a great environment, and I'm sure it'll be a great environment. I see that game is extremely low scoring. This coming up week. Hmm. Yes. No, I, yes. Uh, Michigan at Penn State. I think that's what I don't. I, no, really. Michigan. I don't think Michigan's defense is very good. Okay. Well, Michigan's going to have a very difficult time starting against Penn State. And Penn State's defense is just scratching the surface of what it's going to be. I mean, you got to factor in Michigan's four lost fumbles as well. So, I mean, that, <laughs> that drives up. A couple uh, scooping scores, yeah. you're saying? <laughs> well, Penn State winning this okay, game. Okay. Sc- uh, offensive scoring, I think, will be very, very limited in that game. I can't wait to see that. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, yeah, that's gonna be hard. I mean, it, it, it could be, it I'll could be, it. Yeah. it could be one of the typically ugly Big Ten games that that are being spit out on a weekly basis. That whiteout and that crowd will be cool. That yeah. will be fun football. Hey, if I did this during segment one, I apologize because I I was so careful the last time we did it, and after we finished segment one, I was like, oh my god, it was sitting right there. Did I do it? Where's your eraser mate pen that didn't have a click? I like 1980s. I don't. I hate the... pens like that. I don't really own any. I had to borrow one the last podcast, but anyway, I'm doing my best to avoid that moving forward. We're going to skip Thursday uh, because we would end up talking about Michigan for three full podcasts, and we're going to wait till Monday of next week. To begin the process of analyzing Notre Dame at Michigan, which, again, if you didn't catch the beginning, it's going to kick off at 730 uh, in Ann Arbor on October 26th. We appreciate you joining us. Thanks for being here. Indiana Dunes Tourism, located between Chicago and South Bend, Northwest Indiana, is a proud supporter of Irish Illustrated. Extend your Notre Dame visit with a trip to the nation's newest national park. Visit indianadunes.com.